Good morning! Hope everybody's doing well today on this fat minute said wonderful Monday morning. Monday, Monday, Monday. Aren't you glad today is Monday? No, quite the opposite. You're probably very upset today is Monday and dreaded the thoughts of climbing out of your very warm and comfortable bed and have to reach out into the inner depths of the cold abyss that is known as the adult world. <laughs> and, uh, it is uh, uh, not something you look forward to or want to do, but must do because we have these horrible little things called bills that we must pay. So we have to drag our sorry carcasses out of bed with great dread and do what has to be done. But uh, nonetheless, it is a wonderful day. It's a day the Lord has given us. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord has given us breath in our nostrils. Therefore, if he has done so, he has a plan for you. And so let us use it with all our might to his wonderful glory. And I know that when uh, you hear me in the mornings that uh, you probably think that God must do must be on crack. There is not possible for anybody to be that excited that early in the morning. What can I say? I'm just that kind of guy. <laughs> All right, guys and gals, let's go ahead and do our morning Pledge of Allegiance. Attention, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. All righty. Praise God for these wonderful pledges we get to say each and every day and the freedom to do so. And uh, I praise God for this country, what it stands for, and uh, that it's been a leading world power. And it's sad to see that we are in a cesspool of individuals who wish to destroy it. We have a president who doesn't know if he's coming or going, has to exit a stage, shaking hands with invisible people. And here we have China with an uprising and people being killed and murdered and beaten. And, uh, you know, we have a president who won't say a word because he knows that uh, they got a lot of dirt on him. And uh, so therefore he's afraid to open his little mouth. But uh, so, you know what, guys, like I said, the Lord's in control. It's going to be what it's going to be. Keep the faith. Keep moving on. Keep on. Keep it on. Keep on a trucking. And uh, we know that God's got this. So let's cover this country in prayer and its nation's leaders as well. All right, my friends, let's go ahead and look at our verse of discussion this morning in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Here we go. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. All righty. Bless this reading and the hearing of it to our hearts. All right, my friend. You know, you may uh, there may be times. Well, here's a good question. What is your greatest need? Now, that could be answered in a, a plethora of ways. All right, uh, greatest need. It could be uh, maybe to be uh, healed of a sickness. Uh, maybe you feel like, uh, you know, if you're unemployed, you might think that, well, my greatest need is to get a job, provide for my needs, or uh, you may be single and think your greatest need is to find a mate, or, uh, you know, uh, maybe you're having difficulties in a marriage and your greatest need is to have harmony in a marriage. Right now, my greatest need is to get my heater core fixed in my truck because I'm tired of freezing today. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so we can have our needs and uh, where you're at on that scale may determine as to what you feel your greatest need is. But although these are important needs, uh, nonetheless, one thing that we have to understand that our greatest need for every single person out there is to recognize that to have God uh, to forgive us of our sins. All right, he, God forgave us of our sins, and He He died and He rose again to cover us and, and to uh, because of God's wrath that needed to be poured out upon our wicked selves. And so Jesus Christ died for us. So what we need is that true forgiveness of sins because we deserve eternal punishment without a doubt. And uh, so our greatest need is to know that God has forgiven your sins and that you are reconciled to the holy judge of the universe. That is our greatest need. See, I think the problem is is the, the fact that... Uh, uh, so many people think that they are good. You know, they think they are, are basically good and uh, that God's not going to send them to hell because of, uh, of the good works or things that they may say or do, uh, that they have a, they've been a God of their making. I mean, that's just it. You talk to even uh, supposed Christians who, and I say supposed because I don't know if they really know the true God. They may be Christians in name only. Uh, because they, they have a God that uh, tolerates abominable sins, you know, sexual perversion. They have a God that helps justify their sins. There's a God that they make up that doesn't bring them under conviction of their sins. There's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they've got this, this version of Christ versus the reality of Christ. And that's going to be very troublesome. You know, that's one thing that Satan wants to do is cause that kind of, uh, of uh, confusion, if you will. And that God looks over all your little minor faults and, and whatnot. But, you know, it won't just like, uh, well, here's a good little uh, uh, quote here. Satan also sows confusion about God's forgiveness under the guise of religion. All the world's non-Christian religions, some branches of Christianity, and all the cults that claim to be Christian teach that we must do something. Fasting, prayer, penance, self-denial, good works to help pay for our sins and to earn God's favor. Often, religions people base their hope of forgiveness on the fact that they have faithfully performed a certain religious rituals, going to Mass, praying the, uh, praying the Rosary, observing Lent for many years. And so that's the problem that we see, that uh, is that people think they have to do something. See, it's easy, you know, I've talked about this for cause and effect. See, growing up, if you've done something wrong, then you would have to, you, you know, if you grew up in my household, you'd get your fanny busted. Wasn't, I wasn't beat as a child. I was not abused as a child. That's why the Lord put that good fleshy part of your backside on your rear end. And I think if there's more kids got their fannies busted, we have a whole lot less uh, uh, crying snowflakes in the world, a whole lot less crime in the world, and uh, so on and so forth. You get my point. You know, there's, there's nothing worse. I hate when I'm out of a store somewhere and they see some kid beating the snot out of their parents. So they're smacking them in the face with a thing and they're going, oh, now, now, don't do that. If I had done that as a child, it would have been, oh, now, don't do that. I would have got my butt busted right there, right then, or they would have, I would have heard, when I get you home, you're going to get it. And so then I learned real quick, you know what? If I act this way, here's the repercussions. But, you know, but a lot of people think, well, 
You know, if I kind of got that mentality, well, if I clean my room and I eat all my vegetables, then I'll be rewarded with this uh, being able to go out tonight or, or go with my friends or whatever. You know, and so we have that kind of mentality in our thinking in regards to our sins. Well, if I do these good things, it'll make up for, for the wrongdoing. And I understand that. I get that. Because when I mess up and I screw up, I'm thinking, oh, man, I, I need to do something. I need to figure out, you know, it's that thought of, you know, Lord, forgive me. You know, if I could just do something, if I could just, just, you know, somehow to, to make it right, you know, I feel so bad about what I did, but that's just it. There's nothing we can do. It is forgiveness. That's what salvation is. It is a free gift of God. It is nothing we can do. We have to understand that God simply forgives us. You know, we have to be careful not to take advantage of that and just sin and do whatever we want to just because we know God's going to forgive us. We need to, to try to learn from that and do better the next time. But see, that's a bad thing that the devil knows how to infiltrate and, and he knows your weakness and he knows how to nail you and he'll do it over and over and over and over again. And that's the battle we raid, wage uh, uh, each and every day until we are called home to be with the Lord. But one thing we need to understand, you know, for truly is that uh, we talk about uh, redemption of sins. Um, you know, it is, uh, I was trying to find uh, the exact uh, 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 Mm, trying to find the exact definition. I thought I had it down right here, the exact uh, definition. But um, I had like a textbook, Webster's. Uh, um, well, here's a, it's not the exact one I was thinking of. But uh, Leon Morris points out that we use words such as redeemer or redemption as religious terms. When the man of the first century heard them, he immediately thought in non-religious terms. It brought to mind the common picture of a slave being purchased and then set free. Redemption meant release from bondage by the payment of a price. Every Gentile in the Roman world would have thought of this when he heard the word redemption. So that's not one of the textbook Webster's I was looking for, but that's still done less as good or better uh, to give an explanation of redemption. Bought back. We've been bought from sin. See, we, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. God provided us life. He paid that debt. You know, you've heard my dad say many times, we, we owed a debt we could not pay, and Christ paid the debt he did not owe. And that's what Jesus Christ done for us. He bought us back. He bought us out of the slavery of sin, and now we are slaves to God. But it's not a, a yoke bondage miserable kind of slavery it is it is we have been we are servants to god we want to serve him we want to do it zealously with all of our hearts souls and mind body and being understanding that forgiveness of sin and paul doesn't say in him someday we hope to be redeemed nor does he say we're working at, at obtaining redemption and redemption but we don't know yet if we'll get it until we see whether our good works tip the scale whether he says in him we have redemption it is a current possession experience true we wait for the future redemption of our bodies the finalization of our redemption will not occur until jesus returns but even so right now we have redemption in christ so jesus christ shed his blood to redeem us all right that's what he done to buy us out of where we were at and so that's why we see that we are blood bought uh, in other words and so that's crucial to understand in our experience and and the daily basis the liberating truth that God forgives us of all our sins. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That should make you very happy that we are forgiven and we are loved. Even though we want to, to, to you know, that's one thing Martin Luther had a hard time understanding was forgiveness. He didn't understand God's grace. And he would, he, you know, flagellate himself and, and, you know, hitting himself with reeds or whatever and crawling upon steps. And, and you know, it just, it was just so, so daunting to him. He could not understand. But then 
when he finally understood God's grace, God's mercy. That's when he nailed his 95 thesis to the door. And, you know, so that is, you know, one thing we have to stay and understand is God's grace and his mercy. Yes, you may feel that conviction and praise God that you do. If you felt no conviction, if you felt nothing, that would be something to worry about. And I think people, when they sin and mess up multiple times, they think, well, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not a Christian. The thing it is, though, that Christian walk is hard. It's not easy. And so, believe me, if you've truly confessed your sins and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are saved. So, praise God for that. And so, when you forgive, when you mess up and you ask God to forgive you, guess what? He's faithful and just to forgive you. And that's what all mankind is in dire need of. Yes, there may be needs that we need physically. But the thing of it is, ultimately, people need to understand that they, they need that forgiveness. They need God's forgiveness of their sins. And it's so hard to get through the, the hard heads of those in the world. But we need to understand God's great riches and His grace that is down upon us. But um, I guess I'll end with this here. One night in a church service, God opened the heart of a young woman to respond to His call and believe on Christ as her Lord and Savior. She had a very rough past, involved drugs, alcohol, and prostitution, but the change in her was evident as she experienced God's forgiveness. Over time, she became a faithful member of the church and served by teaching young children. It was not long until she caught the eye of the heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew and they began making wedding plans. But then the problems began. Many in the church did not think that the woman with a past such as hers was suitable for a pastor's son. The church began to gossip and argue about this matter. So they decided to have a meeting. Emotions heated up. Tension increased. And the meeting was getting out of hand. The young woman became very upset about all of the things being brought up about her past. As she began to cry, the pastor's son stood to speak. He said, my fiance's past is not what is on trial here. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. So does it wash away sin or not? The whole church began to weep as they realized they had been slandering the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So my friends, let's take that with great joy. So we're out and about our day to day. And don't let the old devil try to haunt you with your past. It's been covered by the blood. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you, love you, and praise you. Help us each and every day to understand your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Thank God for saving us. Thank you for loving us. Lord, if watching or listening this morning that doesn't know you, let them pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me with you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you, love you, and praise you. Pray that you be with all of our family and friends who are going out and about today. Keep them safe and well. Lord, I pray that uh, you be with all of our children, spouses going to school, work, or play. That you watch over God and protect them. Bring them back home safely. Put them on the hedge of battle. Help us, Lord Jesus, to serve you well. And Lord, help us to be a light in this world of darkness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, my friends, hope everybody has a great day today, a fantabulous day. And remember, live each day as if it were your last, because one day it will be. Thanks for watching. God bless. <laughs>